Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We all know real life can suck sometimes. And your boss accidentally seeing you in your underpants on Zoom last week doesn't help any. That's why Reluctantly Codependent Sisters, the Shira and Rashalia, keep you enthralled and in stitches every week with their podcast, Legendary Africa. Every Monday and Friday, we take you on a journey of mythical lands, magical objects, and monstrous creatures, both ancient and modern. Find Legendary Africa on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you feed your ears. And remember, stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. Hello, and welcome to the Monster Legends Podcast. I'm your host, Hanner, and in this episode is... Florida. We'll begin this episode by talking a little bit about Florida. This is from History.com. Florida, which joined the Union as the 27th state in 1845, is nicknamed the Sunshine State and known for its balmy climate and natural beauty. Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon, who led the first European expedition to Florida in 1513, named the state in tribute to Spain's Easter celebration known as Pascua Florida, or Feast of Flowers. During the first half of the 1800s, U.S. troops waged war with the region's Native American population. During the Civil War, Florida was the third state to succeed from the Union. Beginning in the late 19th century, residents of northern states flocked to Florida and escaped harsh winters. And this in the 20th century, tourism became Florida's leading industry and remains so today, attracting millions of visitors annually. Florida is also known for its oranges and grapefruit, and some 80% of American citrus is grown there. Florida became a state on March 3rd, 1845. Did you know Walt Disney World Resort, which opened near Orlando in 1971, is the planet's biggest and most visited recreational resort, spread over some 30,500 acres, about the same size as San Francisco, California. Disney World attracts approximately 46 million annual visitors. Capital of Florida is T- Tallahassee. There is uh, 18,801,310 people in Florida. Florida is 65 1,758 square miles. It is nicknamed the Sunshine State. The state motto is In God We Trust. The state tree is a sable palm. The state flower is the orange blossom. And the state bird is the mockingbird. Interesting facts. Spanish explorer Pedro Menendez de Alvarez established the first permanent European settlement in the United States at St. Augustine in 1565. Before he was president of the United States, General Andrew Jackson led an invasion of Simona Indians and Spanish controlled Florida in 1817. After Florida became a U.S. territory in 1821, Secretary of State John Quincy Adams appointed Jackson 
its military governor. Constructed over a 21-year period from 1845 to 1866, Fort Zachary Taylor in Key West was rolled by federal forces during the Civil War and used to deter supply ships from provisioning Confederate ports in the Gulf of Mexico. The fort was also used during the Spanish-American War. In 1944, airman and pharmacist Benjamin Green from Miami developed the first widely used sunscreen to protect himself and other children during World War II. He later founded the Copperstone Corporation. John Glenn became the first American to orbit the Earth when he blasted off from Florida's Cape Canaveral on February 20, 1962. Seven years later, Neil Armstrong became the first man to walk on the moon after Apollo 11 was launched from the nearby Kennedy Space Center on July 16th, 1960. Oh, okay. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'll remind you, you can listen to the Monster Lunch Podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Real Public, Spotify. You can also join the Facebook group at Monster Lunch Podcast. Or follow on Twitter. And if you want to send an email, you can send it at MontelinsPodcast. At get the first freaking gators down there. The Mika. Mika. M-Y-A-K-K-A. Or the Skunk Ape. This is from Lauren Coleman. <clears throat> Two remarkable new photographs of what may be a Florida skunk or ape have been discovered through an interesting chain of events by Sarasota residents and animal welfare specialist David Bargassi. Bigfoot, the true story of, of apes in America, overviews how these photographs were taken, how this finding surfaced, the first reactions, analysis, and some tentative conclusions. For the time being, certain sort of notes will remain here available and online. Here's the December 22nd 2000 letter signed God bless our first remain anonymous mailed to the Sarasota Sheriff's Department newspapers in Florida the Art Bell Show and other radio programs during mid-February decided to talk about the Miyaka photographs the hope is that the woman photograph that the woman photographer will be identified in the meantime meaningful analysis of the eye shine the people dying there the Detention, deton, hair color, exhibit behavior, the parent primate is. Uh, these Coleman enlargements and details <coughs> were created for the first generation color prints scanned by David Barksy of the Sarasota Sheriff's County Sheriff's Department originals. These prints show forehead lines, yellow canines, fingernails, hair, and other significant details. Copyright 2001 by Dave Barsky has finger. Blue current with my thinking. Tony Schumann, a biologist with the Canadian Wildlife Service, pointed out some features on a good photograph of a orangutan by Denise McGuillan. This is not to say that McCaff photographs aren't of an orangutan, but some exist in the defined features are found on known anthropoid that appear to exist. The McCaff paid close up copyright 2001 by Dave Barsky and Laura Coleman compared with the Sumatron. Hey, friend. Yeah, try to describe what I'm saying. It's um, two pictures of this picture of the thing they took and one of a orangutan, and they're pointing out different features that are similar. Uh, could this be a skunk ape? And as yet, undiscovered 
large anthropic part to own. No pongan type discusses in the field guide to big see more grass. Um, a real recent monster skunk ape and related with their anthropic reports have fouled and left book. Her fallen leads to 10 discovered this program. It's been only nine months and there's been no appearance of the Mika skunk ape, at least no official reports. This past February, newspapers throughout the Southeast caused a supernatural frenzy. When the ran stories about the appearance of a smelly ape nearly seven feet tall in a backyard east of I-75 in Sarasota. Some writers quickly dismissed the idea of Flair's answer to Bigfoot. Others used the opportunity to tell a few jokes, and some suggested mockingly organizing a church, i.e. hunting party, to find the animal that resembles an orangutan. One local man has done just that. Dave Broccoli is on the prowl. Broccoli is one of the first people to see the photograph of the ape last fall after they mailed anonymously to the Sarasota County Sheriff's Office. Since then, curiosity has been in overdrive. It's been it's the possibility of finding something new, Presley says of his search for the skunk ape. I don't know if there's seeing this like a uh oh okay. Hey everyone. Uh so remind you you can listen to the Monsterland podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Real Public, Spotify. You can also join the Facebook group at Monsterland Podcast. Or follow on Twitter. And if you want to send an email, you can send it at MontelinsPodcast. At G. Uh, does the Lake Clinch Serpent kill me? On Cryptozoosity Bugs Uh, does Lake Clinch in Polk County have a Lake Serpent? The lake contains a quite large fish stock of largemouth bass, bluegill, and black crappie. There's a food source to sustain something in the lake. However, there is some controversy over whether there is a tradition. Of a creature. There's a tradition that a sea serpent or a lake serpent used to haunt Lake Clinch. M.F. Hetherington wrote in his 1928 A History of Polk County. The Indians many years ago insisted there was an immense serpent in this lake. In 1907, Rens of Frostproof declared they had seen the monster and that it must be 30 feet long. This too, before post position liquor was known and the opposite opinion. Modern inquiries to local libraries and newspapers failed to produce any leads or archival reports. Newton wrote, It is entirely possible that Lake Clinch has produced some cryptid sightings in the past, or that may figure in the Aboriginal mythology, but as of press time for the work in hand, no further emission. However, I found this an interesting story from 1926 about a man thought to have been killed by a large serpent in the lake. His story. But talk about a lake creature persisted. Sellers spoke of something in the lake, and early pioneers, including citizens, claimed to have seen a 30-foot-long sea serpent while boating or from the shore. On the night of August 30th, 1926, 49-year-old Charles M. Mallet stepped out of his simple Florida cracker-style home, wearing a bathing suit and carrying a tackle box and bait. Mallet was a businessman, founder of the town's first bank, and partner in a prosperous fertilizer and supply company that served the local growers. He was a practical man, and tales about a giant serpent inhabiting the lake adjacent to his home did not worry him as he prepared to venture onto the legendary monster's domain. For growing fishing, Mallet had told Sullivan Associates that he would be leaving for Sarasota the next day, and asked him from his usual haunts in the coming week. He 
stopped long enough to wave to a neighbor that made his way down to the dock. Like other men in Frostproof, he kept a small boat on, at the pier and frequently fished for the largemouth bass that were and are abundant in the lake. It was Florida's monsoon season. There had been like uh and there had been heavy rain this afternoon the afternoon, but now it was clear skies as Mallet boarded his boat and headed onto a smooth dark water. Three days later, on Thursday morning, G D Moore cast a fishing line into Lake Clinch from the eastern shore. While rolling it in, he snagged something big. A human body. The features were so mangled, I given the condition it might have remained unenough. Name faintly engraved on the inside of the band was Charles M. Mallet. To confirm the identity, a person was dispatched returned from his trip. One of Mallet's employees covered the door to Cracker's house unlocked, and Mallet's personal effects is the case when he returned from the lake. There was no doubt that the body was that of Charles Mercer Mallet. What happened out on the lake clinch? It is likely a physician, a physician or a district coroner examined Mallet's body. Polk County did not have a medical examiner until the 1970s. A record of the death has been found in the states. <clears throat> so did Mallet meet the serpent out of the lake? Local stories would have if it, they did. I've, very, I've been unable to find any recent signs of anything that like declined to miss that as folklore, but if anything, uh. I live on Lake Clinch. I fish the southern shore. On this is a comment. Uh, I live on Lake Clinch. I fish the southern shore on some mornings. There's something laying on a dock. Something very large. It also, just seems to plop into the water. Before I'm able to see it. Then at certain times in the early hours, what looks to be a turtle's head, but about a foot in diameter, but on the southern shore that I'm aware of. Two to four mornings per week between three to five AM. I'm right on the water, so I'm always viewing the lake. I wouldn't live any place else in Florida. Highest point in Florida is also right down the road. Oh, okay. Hey everyone. Uh so remind you you can listen to the Monsterland podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Breaker, Google Podcasts. Real Public, Spotify. You can also join the Facebook group at Monsterlands Podcast or follow on Twitter. And if you want to send an email, you can send it at Monsterlands Podcast. At G- Next up is the Monk Monster. This article is from uh, Cryptopia.us by uh, Rob Mur- Murphy, published February 10th, 2010. The mysterious serpentine creature was captured by shock eyewitnesses on a videotape as a sitter just beneath the surface of Florida's Lake Worth Lagoon. Once this strange footage was unleashed, it created one of the most intense monster frenzies in U.S. history. In late August of 2009, Greg Reynolds and Dan Serrano, representatives of Lagoon Keepers, a nonprofit organization that paints and cleans the Palm Beach County waterways, were sent to cover what they believed to be a log from the Lake Worth Lagoon. But when they arrived on the site, they realized that was actually in the water with something infinitely more bizarre, not to mention alive. Reynolds said he was around tried to catch up to it, but that every time they would get within 10 feet of the creature, it dove, resulting in a name that loses 
muck monster. General comment in the strange sighting. I didn't know what it was. I was like, hey, look. And we moved over and saw it. It was different. Very different. It was an unusual wake. We saw it move along, creating some deep ripples. Then it just dipped deeper underwater. Reynolds, who shot the video of what he believes to be a sea monster, uploaded the footage onto his company website. Within days, these unexplained images went viral, and it was long before the legend of the now notorious monk monster was born. Reynolds describes the counter to the local news station. Channel Marker 10 is the first time we saw the unknown creature. I hurled out and said, what is that? We followed it. Start talking video. It's not a shark or manatee. Sharks would have their friends above the water. It's something much different. The video soon became a worldwide sensation that was covered by major news groups, including NBC and Fox. And the muck monster even became enshrined in television history as topic of one of David Lerman's lauded top 10 lists. Reynolds described monsters shockingly switched attention to the public eye. Phone keeps ringing. It showed up on CNN, Coast to Coast Radio, 95.5 Wild Morning Show, K Rock out of FT Myers. It's everywhere. Just do a search on Monk Monster and it comes up on every corner of the world. Of course, with quick frames comes the promise of even quicker money. And it would seem that it's a bad one and that the tire community is jumping on. City Commissioner William Moss reacting to the fact that video site ever received over 4 million hits on their tourism website has created enough support to install a telescope near where the monster has been spotted. Uh, these claims is just the beginning of a campaign to notice ties tourists the area to what he believes is their Primville town mascot. We're going to have a naming contest. We'll have also have a feeding station which will have a fish Pellets, I think, is prehistoric personality. A lot of other people agree with me. Reynolds, Reynolds himself is trying to turn their, this publicity into more funding for this nonprofit community by selling t shirts that read, I'm not the mock monster, but he insists all proceeds will go to helping the lagoon keepers maintain our beautiful waters. Of course, other independent entrepreneurs have also gotten an attack. Gotten in on the act. Uh, a film on the does not stop while the witness, eyewitnesses or city officials at the local Tiki Bar Seagirl is now serving a Muck Monster special. With this, a slightly sauteed Muck Monster served over the rice with caper lemon pepper sauce with a little sauteed spinach. For those who eyes stare towards that afterf, there's the Muck Monster cocktail, which upon request, but bartenders will serve the completely Muck Monster, military Muck Monster dance. Okay. Oh, what's all this ringamole? It's a little wonder that legitimate crypto investors are trading the monster wars very carefully. While this post encounter marketing buzzan no way invalidates initial sightings, it's very difficult to see past such a crassly commercial feeding frenzy to find the science that may lie beneath. <clears throat> to try and understand what this creature may be, one must look at the history of the lagoon. The body of water that is now known as the Lake Worth Lagoon, was in the mid-1800s a freshwater lake, which derived of all its run by its ground steepage from Everglades, one liver, repetued home of the skunk ape. In 1866, a southern named Lane allegedly dug a channel between the lake and the ocean 
and by 1877 the lake had been transformed to a saltwater lagoon. Is it possible that a sea serpent or other anomalous marine animal made its way through one of the lagoon's channels to find itself a home in its black, blackish fields, filled waters? <coughs> uh, Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission marine biologist Thomas Reinhardt scrutinized the video and claimed that he was baffled by the mystery. This appears to be one animal moving in direction nothing. Nothing's breaking the surface. Typically dolphins break the surface. Sea turtles, manatee, large school of fish. If it were a shark at that level, you would see a fin. I can't definitely say what it is. I can't speculate, but we need more of evidence to determine the identity of the Lake Worth Monk Monster. The only one who seems willing to speculate as to genesis of the monster's stunning appearance is Palm Beach Mayor Lois Frankel, who became named for main the monk monster, an official citizen of Palm Beach told the local press, This has actually become a pretty serious business. We'll be visited by CNN, who will be lo looking for the monk monster. In all seriousness, what I think has happened is that because of all the work on the waterfront, the building of the seawall, and all the construction going down, there it has stirred up this creature. In the end, Reynolds feels that people should still treat this as a potentially dangerous aquatic oddity with caution and sights that the ocean still has many secrets locked in her depths. We have spent a lot of time out here on the water and seen a lot of different creatures out there and this is the first time in three and a half years that I've ever seen anything out here I didn't know what it was. The water is teeming with life. Who knows what's in there? Who indeed? What? This is like ripples. Oh okay. Hey everyone. Uh, I'll remind you you can listen to the Monsterland Podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Real Public, Spotify. You can also join the Facebook group at Monsterland Podcast or follow on Twitter. And if you want to send an email, you can send it at Monsterland Podcast. At G um, next one. From the Smithsonian uh, Institute Archives. This was published on August 18, 2010, by Mark, Mark, by Mary Marquis. What was the Saint Augustine monster? According to Wikipedia, it was a globster, an unidentified organic mass that washes up on the shoreline of an ocean or other body of water. This great granddaddy of globsters kept cryptozoologists speculating. And scientists testing for a century and a piece of his life at the Smithsonian. Uh, it's a picture of a thing and the body measures 18 feet in length by 10 feet in breadth. It must weigh not less than 5 or 6 tons and is of course quite offensive. Dr. Webb to Smithsonian December 1897 Rue 829 Rue Monster 1897 by D. White Webb Photograph. St. Augustine Monster was discovered by two young boys on Antasia Island, Florida in November 1896. Assuming it was a whale and reported their find to Dr. DeWitt Webb, a founder of St. Augustine Historical Society, an institute of science. It's a picture of a boy with a something person. Let's say a boy with a mustache. Uh, we found, however, that with all efforts that a dozen men pulling at the ropes were not enough to give even turn the monster over as it is everything costs me over ten dollars 
Dr. Webb to the Smithsonian on photographing the monster, January 1897. Dr. Webb noted that the enormous uh, carcass appeared to have stumps of several arms or tentacles. He included that it was the remains of a gigantic octopus and contacted Yale's professor Addison E. Viral, who went into press in 1897, declaring the discovery of what he named Octopus Gigantus Viral. Webb also sent photos and a specimen to Smithsonian in 1897. The National Museum creator William Haley Dale accepted the material as a session, sessions of the muscle development of the body of Octopus Gigantus. The title page of Smithsonian access session records of the St. Augustine monster. Uh, later, Professor Barrow had an opportunity to examine a sample of the carcass and oops, determined, uh, determined that the St. Augustine monster was actually the upper part of a sperm whale's head. Unfortunately, his new collusion didn't receive the proper press attention of the previous announcement. Webb's original photograph were mislaid. Newspaper articles baited and other glossaries such as Dunk Island Carcass, 1948, and the Tasmanian Blob, 1960, took their brief moments in the limelight. During the 1970s and 80s, in the wake of the popularity of the book Chariots of the Gods, that's a and TV programs such as Juicy Series, Austin Clark's Mysterious Worlds, Monsters Once Again, captured the public's imagination. As if a gigantic octopus wasn't enough, one author even speculated that it was the remains of a giant space alien. What the fuck? Okay, uh, enough interest was generated through the Smithsonian began receiving requests for samples of the monster. Uh, in 1971, comparative tests to other marine animals suggested that it was octopus tissue. In 1986, tests for amino acids appeared to support the gigantic octopus theory. However, in 1995, electron microscope and biochemical analysis indicated that the material was collagen from a warm-blooded animal. In 2004, DNA tests but St. Augustine samples along with other monsters remnants from around the world and divided all as a collagen matrix that holds together whale blubber. And slightly more than a century, science had confirmed what the two Augustine boys originally reported in 1886. The brains of a whale had washed up on Antasia Island. Richard Ellis, author of the 1994 book Monsters of the Sea, was quoted in that New York Times, I'm crushed. It's a blow for people who will continue to want there to be a great scary monster out there. It may be the great him for Blood Dome. <clears throat> okay, identified at last, the Smithsonian famous monster reposes in collection and storage as a National Museum history. Octopus Gigantus is issue. Dr. Webb's own words about discovery are as presenting instant rock cries in the corners. Memorial of Assistant Secretary of the U.S. National Museum. Right? The boys found a uh, little whale. And he got kind of in. Oh, I think it's a. I think it's a. I think it's an octopus. Okay. Okay. About Christmas time, make some cookies. It's Christmas time, I made some cookies, you know? And, um, it's 20 seconds. About Christmas time. I think I'll figure. I'll give you a little. Extra. Tidbit. This is. Article is from pathviews.com. A child eating scarecrow posts on December 11th. Hans Trapp is a legendary figure in the Alessia and Lorraine regions of France. While there are several variations of the tale, the po- most popular one says that he is a cruel man of great wealth. However, 
He acquires wealth not through hard work, but from acts of magic and pacts with demons. He himself being a man who worshipped Satan, it's said that he was heartless and vain, greedy, and would reveal and would revel in sin. When the Vatican had heard of trash cruelty and occultism, he was arrested and brought before the Pope. He was excommunicated for Satanism and demonology, and upon returning back home to France, he discovered that his land and property were confiscated from him, and he was left without a single penny. The villagers of his hometown shunned and banished him to the woods in nearby Germany. Uh, large and full of scorn from ghosts who took everything away from him, he devoted himself more and more to his dark sorcery. All he could think about was taking revenge on the villagers who exiled him. His hermitage in the woods made him go insane, and soon he found himself craving the taste of human flesh. He became obsessed with the idea of cannibalism, so he became, came up with a plan. He would disguise himself as a scarecrow, wearing raggedy clothing and stuffing it with straw and sticks, and would wait in the fields for his prey to come by. One day, a very young shepherd boy came trolling through the field, taking a sharpened stick, Hans trap, thrust into the child, and killed him, dragging his corpse back to his house, where he brushed the child to pieces and roasted him over his fire. Just as he was about to take the first bite of the flesh he had craved so much, it said that God struck him with lightning. Falling down, he hit his head and died. Parents of the northeastern region of France warned their children that every Christmas, Hans spirit would come back dressed as a scarecrow with a hood to enact his revenge by by abducting naughty children in the forest where they would were never seen again. Uh, the legend of Hans Trapp seems to originate from the real life of Hans von Trotha, who was born in 1450 and died in 1503. Hans von Trotha was a knight who was entrusted with two castles in the Palestine territory, which included territories of both France and Germany. He had a dispute with an abbot over property and possessions in one of the castles that he was given, which is supposedly originally the monastery's possession that the abbot refused to give them up. So Hans von Trotha created a dam which stopped the water supply of the village below. The abbot complained and he finally tore down the dam, which flooded the village below and caused a massive economic damage. Hans von Trotha began attacking the abbot, and when the emperor couldn't persuade Hans von Trotha to stop, the abbot went to the Vatican. The pope summoned Hans von Trotha to be questioned about his loyalty to the church. He kind the visit instead of right, instead writing a letter accusing the Pope of immorality. In response, he was excommunicated and had an imperial bond ban upon him by the Emperor shortly after his excommunication. He died two years later of natural causes. Uh, we go to Alexander the Sixth, original Spanish name, and full of Regal de Bacora. Regal was born to Spanish branch of the prominent and powerful family. Is on spite. Shout out Semini the Shrine. Okay. Okay. Uh, Merry Christmas. Oh, oh, happy holidays.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Monster Legend Podcast. Or to find more information about Monster Legend Podcast, go to monsterlegendpodcast.com or anchor.fm forward slash monsterlegendpodcast. There you can find all episodes and platforms on which the podcast is on, which you can describe, subscribe to. You also can email me with questions that will be answered on the show. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.